Welcome back to this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all the other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And we want to welcome you back to another episode. This episode, we will be exploring the villains of D&D. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> so we will be looking at what does it take to make a good villain. And when we say good, we obviously don't mean alignment. <laughs> but right, we mean right. What does it take to make a great villain that your players are going to be able to just grab onto and hate with all of their guts? And what is it that makes... A villain, a bad villain, and we mean a villain that is just not interesting. A villain that your players could care nothing less right. about. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. Before we go into all that great stuff, Chris, we have some shout-outs. Yeah, we do. Uh, I have one here from P-Man Pri. Uh, actually, I think it's P-Man Pry, because it's from <laughs> DM Main Prize, who we've had a lot yep. of interactions with. Uh, and is, he gave us a five-star rating on, on iTunes, and it says a DM is born. And he says, once many years ago, a man sat down on a Christmas day at home with a friend and ally. The friend showed this man a game, not a game, a world in which all things were possible, D&D. This great event planted in the man a seed that would take three years to grow. And until that time, the seed sat deep in the fertile soil of his mind. Uh, and he goes on to share a little bit more about his journey and when 5e came out and he said i'm going to get all the books and just study them and if the group presents itself we shall play and thankfully he did find a group he's been he's been emailing us back and forth about some just fun things that he's been doing with his group and so the main prize we, we like it we like it a lot you're awesome keep it up uh we've got another one here another five stars entitled amazing D podcast and it's from captain captain andrew uh, and he says, keeps me entertained at work, and you can tell they really love the game. Two thumbs up. Yes, we do love the game. Thanks to the two thumbs up and the five stars, Captain, Captain Andrew. <laughs> I love that. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. So Mitch, this week in story time, uh, we are going to be recapping and telling a little bit about your past campaign. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, with no further ado, what what did we do in your campaign? Well, we kind of left off my the past time we played on a cliffhanger. You guys were trying to find for the elves. You were trying to find the Entens, which are basically the Ents, the tree tree Ents of my world, right. and. Uh, they didn't know where they had gone, they hadn't seen them in a while, and they had some other business that they had to attend to, so right. they sent you guys out to find them. You guys found them, and they were all basically with tons of ropes held down to the ground by these big stakes, like, by this orc camp. And so you guys, during this past game, got to invade this orc camp and try and free these Entens. Which was difficult because there was a lot of en uh, there was a lot of orcs yep. and not a lot of you guys. Yeah, and there you was <laughs> five of us with or six of us with the with the other NPCs we yeah. had with us. <laughs> and you guys were already a little bit battle worn. You yep. weren't feeling the hundred percent. And you guys were trying to figure out what do I do? 
And that's where your character came into play, the nice uh, rogue-type character. Yeah. You're out in the woods. There's not a whole lot of, like, trap-finding. There's not a whole lot of opening locks, but you got to sneak around a little bit. Yes, so you did. snuck into the camp, and you would cut the ropes, and you kind of told the Entons, you're like... I was trying I'm to trying communicate to with them. I was like, shh. <laughs> and then they would, you were just like... <laughs> yeah, they, they make like the weird. They didn't um, speak common these tree these uh, entons. They only spoke Sylvan, so you didn't speak that. Yeah, so yeah, you got caught at one point, and you had freed two of them. And the one that saw that you got caught just burst out of the ground. Yeah. And a big battle ensued. Right uh, now, if you listen to our I think episode twelve, yeah, episode twelve, uh, when yeah. we talked about our second top tens, one of my top tens was riding the tank, and so this was where I already had this planned out. You guys. You were right next to an Entin, and you're, like, fighting, and then he put his, puts his hand down. Yeah. And you're just like, I get on it, yeah. man. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. Well, and it was funny because uh, one of our one of our players, he really, like, wanted... He's like, man, that'd be so cool, because he was up in a tree yeah. as an archer. He's like, that'd be so cool to be on a, on an Entin and shoot from his back. <laughs> and then me and me and Caleb are the ones that get to ride that on the back of the... Yeah. <laughs> and what was funny is you said at one point in time, you get to, like, you guys can control the Entins, and you mm-hmm. gave us, like, the stats for it. And I think Caleb was like, you get on the back and like you literally control the Enten. Like it's like you became one with the Enten yeah. and started controlling it. You didn't I was exactly like, understand I was what like, I was saying. No, I'm pretty sure we just get to roll for it. Yeah. We don't actually get to like stick your hands inside and become right. one with the tree and like move it around. Which yeah. would have been sweet. Something to think about. Weird. Yeah, weird. I don't know why the Enten would be like, come on up on my back, control yeah. me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, so you guys got to ride the Entens, you got to roll for them. Uh, it was pretty sweet. You guys just basically smashed up that orc camp. Yep. They all ran away. And there was this big statue of Grumush that was in the middle of the camp. And you guys wanted to push it over. And so Caleb's character, Grouthoof, uh, went over. And he's the prophet in the campaign we've talked about before. And right. he, he's like, all right, Entons, destroy this statue. And he touched it. And there was this big prophecy moment, which he got. And he basically saw this statue look down at him with his... He's holding an eye the eye of Grimush and he looks down at him with the eye and all of a sudden he sees this weird vision and this weird vision was if you've been listening to our our pods and you've been listening to our story times we talked about this one-off where we did where you guys made evil characters and you guys yep. were champions for your gods and how those characters in that one-off were going to be coming after these good characters in this long campaign and so he saw those characters running through the God made dungeon attacking things and like he saw them now entering into the real world right. on a search to come and kill you right. guys. <laughs> and so he as a player knew exactly what it was and it was so funny though because he's trying to play his character and he gets done with the vision and he like doesn't say anything. And we're all like, what the heck are you doing? Like yeah. tell them you're gonna yeah. forget. Well it was it was funny because we've talked about it before. You gave him a vision before yeah. it was like he's he didn't remember it all the way. <laughs> and then this time it was like he knew he knew what he was supposed to say because he was mm-hmm. here for that day, but it was just kind of like it took like a half hour for him to get it out. He's like, like but I'm my trying... character doesn't know what know what it is. I'm like, but your character saw a vision from a god, and you would probably suspect that it's important, so you right. probably share right. it with your allies yeah. pretty yeah. quick. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. I, I really, really enjoyed that part of it. Although I had to go in the other room for like twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, like Mark and I were just like sitting in the room and I think like I was just so tired. I almost fell asleep in the other room. But um, it was good. So yeah, that was that was part of the night. Then you guys got to return. You guys, we did some very quick speed traveling back to 
uh, South Bar, the city to the south, of course. And you... I'm getting angry just about sharing this <laughs> You part. guys uh, returned to the city where you had some plans that you were hoping that came out. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so I've, I've shared this before, but if you haven't listened to some of our older podcasts, I shared about how my halfling character, when he was in the city of South Bar, really wanted to start like a riding club. Kind of like a like a biker gang of like today, but with like animals. Like start a riding club, riding gang in the city of South Bar. And when we left last time, I put some a ragtag team of people together. I guess a band of misfits. I guess if you'll call them <laughs> definitely that. a yeah, band of misfits. Band of misfits uh, together to start this. Oh, I hate this so much. <laughs> start to start this Riders of Shemesh. Like get it going, recruit some people, and get like a building, all this different stuff for the Riders of Shemesh. And I get back. And I don't remember exactly where we... I think I just went back to, like, the inn or something Went back like to that. the inn. They yeah. weren't anywhere to be found. Yeah, you yeah. did tell them to try and find a place find to a buy. Find a place yeah. to buy, yeah. So I think I found them at the place, didn't yeah, I? Or something did. like that. And it was, like, this old, run-down building, like, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like, it was, like, falling apart and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, hey, boss. Like, we found this place for you. Like, what do you want to do? I was like, go out. Just get out of here. Like, go outside. And... Because, like, the whole time I was going through the city, I was hearing, like, like, so, like Ricks had found out about, like, the Riders of Shemesh. Like, this, they were starting to try to make this club. And there was, like, all these rumors about who, like, the leader was. And it was, like, this crazy... The stories just got now insane. You're, you're a halfling. And yeah. you are, quote-unquote... You're the leader. Right. You're the guy who started yeah. it. Yeah. So you're this halfling. You know, yeah. you're... How tall are you? Uh, three foot five or something like that. And what like are that? these like, rumors? Really what are these rumors you're He's hearing? eight foot tall. He wears a white mask. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, while he rides around, he's killed dragons. He's killed <laughs> thousands of. Well, orcs. not dragons, because you guys keep setting, saying dragons. Oh, there's say... no dragons. Oh, in this yeah, world. yeah, yeah. So orcs. no dragons. Orcs <laughs> killed thousands of orcs, and then was it that I had actually met Procon or something like that? Like I. Had, that was I, one of the ones that that one like Mark made started. Regardless, there were all of these like crazy rumors out there of like my halfling <laughs> character being this tall guy, and so. I got back and they said, "Uh, yeah, there's only like one problem," and then they told me that, and I was just like get the frick out of this building right now. Like, I hate all of you. And I was expecting them to, like, leave. Like, actually go home. And I was going to have to go and apologize to them and, like, try and get them to come back. Because, like, me as a player, like, out of character, I was so mad. I was like, like, you could tell I was miffed. I was just like, are you kidding me? I left these guys in charge and this is what happens? And you're sitting here and you're like, I thought that would be so cool. I thought you'd really enjoy it. And uh, I decided to go with it because I was like, yeah, this will probably be really fun. Like, my character had a couple drinks, calmed down, went out the next morning to find all six of, the, like, the band, like, of that group they of just, people just laying on the porch. They didn't they go home. They just on the porch. They literally thought I meant just go outside. <laughs> and uh, so we got them back in. We fixed up this this inn. Uh, I think it took us, like, a week or something yeah. like that. We yeah, made it, you guys paid made it pretty nice. Yeah. like... Got it up to running yeah. like status. And then it came time for the big reveal where the the guy, the eight foot tall white masked orc masked. slayer was yeah, going to be the there. The rider. And I was just like, this is not going to work. I was like, this is going <laughs> to suck. And one of the guys comes in, he's like, oh boss, I got your big, uh, your big axe here. And uh, it was like, it, it looked real from what you said, yeah. but it wasn't actually like a really nice big battle axe or something like that. And uh, we got this whole harness set up where I could stand on top of, like, the seven-foot-tall guy's body, and then <laughs> I would, like, say stuff, and it was it worked. We got, it, oh, this is, this is what else happened. Because I was like, this is not going to work at all. Like, this is going to be so bad. 
I was like, get all the alcohol you can for these people. Oh yeah, because we need we need to make them believe that first this thing is actually real. Free. Yeah, first two drinks are free, and then everything after that is half price. And so we just got people plastered. So well, that they would, you you advertised it as free alcohol with the rioters of Shamash, and there was yep. like fifty people who showed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and at the end of it, there was what sixteen people that signed up for it yeah, or something like that. People. So we got. I think that makes a grand total of like twenty five people in so the rise like, of Shemesh now. You like hid under the stage yep. and like popped up when uh, Rick's Mark's character threw down these threw down like, some, smoke, like, smoke bombs, bombs. Yeah, and you popped up and your character is in the harness with your buddy like attached like you're attached to your one of your guys and you start giving this speech to the crowd yeah. and they're all like fascinated by you and they think that you're like a seven foot or an eight foot tall like dude and yeah. you're actually just a half like yeah i'm a half like attached to wearing like a, a mask guitar, wearing yeah. a robe yeah. and then after you're done this speech another smoke bomb and you climb back yeah, down climb back down it's like whoa he disappeared yeah. and they're all like yeah. they they went from like dead side oh they were they started asking you questions yeah you answered a couple i answered a couple and of then them. like they all went dead quiet when you disappeared and then they all just started clamoring and you got 16 people signed yep. up so yeah yeah like my thought behind it was i was like you got this ragtag team of like guys to try and put together something that is ridiculous nobody's gonna want to become a part how of would it? that happen and so i was like it's got to have some kind of drawback but i thought this would be sweet because the, the what i was more thinking along the lines of was this can be sort of a like the dread pirate wabbits right, like kind right, of situation yeah, yeah. where like you start this thing but this you know it's like a legacy that you can pass on like a thousand years in the future, there still might be this masked one That's what I'm riding for, around yeah. because, you know, an icon doesn't have to die. Right, like, a, right. your crew or your halfling is going to die. Right. That doesn't mean that this masked rider has to die. This is kind of something that I'd like to play a, like, prologue part yeah. of this campaign, and I'm just thinking, old crew or passing on the torch to someone. To someone to um, keep the... Which I think would be yeah. pretty I think, sweet. I think that's, that's kind of what I was thinking because I was like... I feel like this rider could just, he could go on forever. Yeah. Um, so I, was, I actually thought about that afterwards. I was like, is it something that I have, like, he dies some valiant way and he has, like, some plans written out in the Riders of Shemesh as far as who could take over, you know? And I was, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about it. I don't have anything set in stone yet, but I like I like that idea. I'd kind of like to, like, yeah. just go on as, like, this masked figure for all of history throughout I'd kind of like to see, like, you, however, if you have a son or, like, you just get this, like, young kid or something. I'd like to see kind of, like, this turn into a you almost, like, raising up somebody younger than mm -hmm. you to, like, teaching them and everything. Right. And so, basically, I think your plan is you're going to be the recruiter, the, like, second-hand man, yeah. quote-unquote, when you're really... Really the, the head the, man. Yeah, yeah the head I'm, man. I'm taking second spot to the head yeah. man, but I'm really the head it's man. Like a, it's like a... Puppeting, like you're a puppeteering leader, right? When he's not really right. doing any puppeteering because he is yeah. the head guy. The one thing that I thought about too is Mark and Caleb were like, Well, when do we get gratification for this <laughs> stuff? And so I was like, I want to come up with like somewhere down the line, he gets a companion, couple companions mm -hmm. that ride around right. with him too. Uh, so you guys... And like they're, they're like just a part of it as well. Whether it's actually like these are his two companions, Groutloof and Ricks, and they're the people that like go around with him so they can get the gratification and then like the main guy is just like the hooded figure still. Yeah. Or if it's like we come up with two more hooded figures that go around with them or like masked figures. Yeah, I kept thinking when I was thinking about this whole Dread Pirate Roberts like idea and it keeps on going on. I kept thinking of the Sandlot movie where Babe Ruth shows up in the vision and oh, he's yeah. just like, remember kid, heroes get remembered. 
but legends never die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's totally yeah. like that kind of yeah. thing. And like, that'd be sweet. Like, you guys, you guys potentially then in the future, like we play in a future campaign, could meet a yeah. masked rider. Like, yeah, and that's and see that you know, legacy it, it, pass. It just on. started out as like a fun thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. this would be fun for this campaign. And then the more I think about, it, it's like. Well, we're gonna be playing in this world for a while. Why not actually try to like leave legacies? That's what I play, try to do you know? with my players. I try to give yeah. them like ways to leave legacy and affect history. Right. And like it was funny because you said like you're like I've never been like me. Chris has never been pissed off before about D and D. You were totally pissed. I off. was so. But mad. I'll say this: there's been times where like I as a DM have put things into the game where players have gotten pissed off. And then it just takes them a little bit of time to yeah. come around, and then they love it. Yeah. And we'll talk about those later on. Those are plenty of stories we can oh, have yeah. about those yeah. those times where the players have gotten pissed at me, but then they <laughs> latch onto it, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Yeah. It just was not what I was expecting. Right. I had to t- like really figure this out. But it, I thought it was pretty sweet. It, it was, was good. It, it was, was pretty fun. sweet watching you role play up on stage with the mask on, and and I'm throwing in little things about the guy who's not that smart who you're attached to. Like, yeah. pulls out the like the fake axe, and, he's, and he can't see anything that's going on. <laughs> so either. he's trying to act like he's attacking yeah. guys, but he's doing it really doopy, yeah. and you're just like, stay still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you were like, you were like doing these. You can't see it because we're doing a podcast, obviously. But you were like doing these like really like derpy like movements yeah. <laughs> with this axe and i was like good thing they're drunk it's so funny that you said derpy because wasn't it his name was yarp and darp yeah. i think yarp was the one that was under there though yeah i think sure. so his brother but it was yeah it was just like and i finally was just like when somebody was asking a question i was like stand still and he's like <laughs> he just stopped just with the battle axe in front and then i was like oh my gosh this could go so badly like he gets really into it and starts walking around like we're screwed like everybody's <laughs> gonna find out he's gonna fall off the stage or something but it was good. I had a ton of fun. Yeah, with so it. you guys will have to continue to listen to the podcast and see where this masked rider like pops up in future episodes, possibly a different campaign. Yeah, because it'll it'll happen. It'll I'm, happen. I'm excited. All comes for full it. circle. I'm excited for it. All right, let's head to the meat now. Oh, stop it! We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Yeah. Why can't we have some meats? Just a mouthful. No. <laughs> Alright, so on this episode of Meat, like we said, we are going to be talking about villains. How to make villains, how to make a good, memorable villain. And I think the first thing that we want to start off talking about is, to make a good villain, you want to really latch on to that villain's backstory, who they are as a person. This, in a lot of senses, is your playable character when when your players come to the table and they make their character for the game a lot of times they put a lot of work into it they try and figure out who their character is what his morals are what his goals are what has happened to them in the past sometimes it's pretty humorous because they're level right. one they're right. I've killed dragons right, right. but this in a lot of ways is that PC for you as the DM to put a lot of work into and a lot of thought into who they are, what they've done, right? What is it that's made them to this point become the person that they are, right? And so a big part of that is what are their motives? What's their end goal? Uh, your your villain should have a goal in mind. What are they trying to do? What are they? Where are they trying to reach? 
Yeah, I guess one of the end goals could be power. You're just trying to take over the whole world. I think that's, I mean, that's, a, yeah, that's a pretty common classic one. Yeah. villain yep. uh, trying to take over the world. But yeah, power right. in general. Or whether that's just they're trying to become the most powerful wizard by yep. you know extremely dark methods or something like that. That could be another one. Or they're, they're trying to be the strongest fighter of all time or something like that. And they're doing it in really shady ways that are hurting a lot of people. Power yeah. could be a huge thing. Yeah, it could be a, a military leader that kills the king because he wants the right. power and he yeah. wants to lead and now he's leading by the force because right. he's got he's got all of these followers who are loyal to him and uh, well and from that power comes fear too he's, he's leading out of fear yes. so that he can gain all the power yep. yeah that's um, a huge one slaying the weak taking that over being yeah. the being the strong strong right. lead the weak right. kind of mentality so yeah that's power is a huge motive that can be used i think a lot of villains that would be their chief motive Another one you mentioned wizards is knowledge. They yep. might want knowledge might be their goal. They want more and more knowledge, and a lot of times that knowledge is going to lead and going hand in hand with that power. Right. Um, and so they'll do anything to continue to gain knowledge, secret knowledge, magical knowledge, whatever it is. Well, and anytime you try to learn secret knowledge too, like in any video game you play, any movie, there's always that dark side to yeah. trying to learn the secret knowledge. Like that's why what is it called in Harry Potter? The uh, the dark arts, uh, dark arts, yeah. yeah. Like, in the uh, in you know Star Wars, it's called the dark side of the yeah. force, you know, because it's like it's a secret stuff that you have to take extreme measures to try and learn, and that's why it's always it always has its downfall. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fantasy genres, like like stories, have that kind of sense that there's knowledge out there, but there's just some stuff that just shouldn't be known. Right. Like people just shouldn't go near it. It's if there's a general understanding that it's evil, like don't go down that path right. and a, somebody who's going to be a villain in your campaign is going to go I'm going down that right. path I want right. that knowledge I want to know I want could that could be somebody that's disgruntled and be like Why? don't tell me I can't learn yeah. that stuff like of course I'm going to go and try yeah. and learn that yeah. in fact the knowledge itself could be the villain in that sense yeah. like you're talking about Star Wars and like the force like the dark side of the force like a lot of Sith like and it's they're kind of like that I want to know just right. they're curious and a they lot start of them, out good natured. Yeah. It could be like, I want to learn this to try and prevent it from happening, and then it just ends up corrupting them because they've learned too much. Yeah, and know? the dark side of the force is, in a lot of senses, the most evil villain of that. Right. Because that's what makes those people into what they are. That that's an interesting idea. The knowledge itself of those dark forces can be right. that evil. You well, could have a yeah. wizard conjuring up a wants to conjure up a really evil spirit. And gets taken over by that, and right. that's where the evil comes from. It wasn't that the villain was completely evil, just maybe a little too curious. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like, yeah, in, in any time you're dealing with knowledge as the enemy, like, the knowledge should be the enemy, I think, because it's something that you can't ever destroy that knowledge. It's always going to be out there. Mm -hmm. Somebody's always going to figure it out. But it's corrupted that person so bad and put its, like, its, itself in that person so much that they become the enemy of that knowledge. You yeah. Know? Another way uh, that you could have a motive or an end goal of that evil villain could be just their deity. Who do yeah. they follow? What's the god or gods that they follow? Maybe they are just a conduit of that deity trying right. to accomplish their goals. And so all their motives are based off of the motives of their god. Or possibly, to make even be more interesting... The motives of what they think their god wants. Right. You could even put a twist on it and have a cr your villain be crazy and just following Pelor, but you know his 
his thinking of Pelor is completely different of what right. Pelor was. That's just to say, sometimes doing trying to be so good can end up being the bad mm-hmm. thing. I mean, you think of like the Spanish Inquisition and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. and like and like the uh, what was it when they went to they tried to conquer the Middle East. Uh, it was the Crusades. That's what it was called. Oh yeah, um, good example. Yeah, I mean they were just they had so they were they had good intentions to take back the Holy Land for the Roman Catholics, and it just turned into this massacre of everybody that they went through. It was just like the least Catholic Christian thing mm-hmm. they could do going through <laughs> trying to get and reclaim the realm of Jerusalem at the yeah, time. So kind of a blotch in that history. Yeah, it's it's church. one of those things that's like they had such good intentions to do it that it clouded their thinking and it ended up being one of these things that was just like, oh, if you could only look back on it, that that's so bad. And that's an interesting thing to bring up too because you could have a scenario, and I'm not saying that you know that was what the Crusades were, but you could have a scenario where the leader himself is trying to do good, but his followers like are people who sure. like are doing atrocities in which in his name and that that's not what he would want and right. he's trying to go for this end goal and he's not exactly a villain like right. he's through what his followers are doing to accomplish this it's turning into a right. very evil act of war or whatever it right. is right so another thing besides power knowledge deity and those motives we've talked about is just chaos that people uh, just want to see the world burn yeah that's what i thought of i thought of the dark knight when uh at, like they're talking about the Joker, and yeah, Alfred oh, yeah. just says, says he says, some men, Mister Wayne, just want to watch the world burn. Right. And that's like yeah. that's totally the Joker. What are the Jokers? He doesn't really what have is his any. Goals? His goals is one of his goals is kind of to have Batman break his number one rule, right, and, and don't kill, kill anybody. Yeah, he wants because he, he wants, wants to see that chaos. He wants Batman to kill him yeah. because that breaks the spirit of Batman. Right. That ruins everything. He wants chaos. He right. has no. He's not. He burns all that money. He he doesn't. Care yeah. He's like money. I don't want to see it. He's, he burns like which is I, another motive is wealth. Like right. that going on yeah. with power. But yeah, chaos is a goal in itself. Just to do craziness that can make a villain super hard to deal with because there's no like oh he wants he wants to do this. He's yeah. There's no way next. to prevent him because he's just gonna show up yeah. anywhere and everywhere and just do whatever the heck His he wants. His plans are like spur of the moment. Yep. Just taking stuff out whenever he feels yeah it's like somebody who's like i'm gonna kill the king i'm like i'm a general i'm gonna kill the king take over the rule like you can you can try and prevent that Mm -hmm. you you have a good idea of how to prevent that protect the king catch the back the guy that just wants to see the world burn he's just he's gonna make the world burn regardless like he's just gonna do it wherever he can a mad tyrant right right yeah yeah Yeah, that's absolutely a, a good goal that as a DM, you could just, you know, week to week even come up with just different crazy things that are happening right. because of this guy. And maybe it's just to try and track the guy down and stop him. Like, you have no <laughs> idea where he's going to go. It's not like he's in a city the whole time, the same yeah. city. And, like, you have to try and track him down the whole time. I mean, it could be it could be something fun like that. So going along with all this, you have to figure out then, how is it that this villain will achieve his motives, his goals, and that is where that comes into your story. Are they doing it through a military force where they are right. going around, they're taking over town after town or city after city, even you go as big as like country after country, right. and yeah, how does that got affect, a big enough force? Yeah. yeah, how does that affect like the gameplay that you're that you have? Does he have soldiers walking around towns now? Your guys that are trying to rebel against this evil tyrant, they're gonna 
it's going to be harder and harder and harder for them to do what they can they want right, to do to right. overthrow this evil villain. Right. One thing that we have to think about is a bad guy is usually something that brings the party together around yep. a common goal. Like this guy has to be the guy that everybody hates. Otherwise, I think that's what makes him a a good villain. Right. Right. The that's, whole party hates he's hated him. by the whole yeah, party and wants to take him down. Yeah. I those are the the villains that stick out that I've had in past campaigns in my mind are the ones that I've had players sit at the table and just like say, Mitch, I hate this guy. Yeah. Like not only does my character hate this guy, but I hate right. this guy. And I it, can't wait to kill this guy. Yeah, like, it can be done through so many different ways. Like mm-hmm. it can be something that they do right away where it's like, I freaking hate this guy. He just killed all of our yeah. family or something like that. Or it could be like he just does little ticky-tack things that are just driving you mad the whole mm-hmm. time until the last battle. But I think, we, we talked before we started doing this, one way that you could do it is, it could be, you have this whole backstory, this whole party, why they're together, and it was somebody that betrayed them. Yeah. Uh, somebody that, you know, was going after the same goal. It could be you were, you were an adventuring group in the past who was going after this, this item at the end, this all-powerful item, let's say. And you finally get to the end, and he just stabs you, either literally or figuratively, all in the back, and takes this item and becomes so powerful, and he just betrayed all of you. And your whole goal for the whole rest of the, the campaign is to kill that guy or get that item back in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, we uh, we talked about it on our Christmas episode. Uh, Dama Dwinadrin, the evil guy that uh, our player Jared played as a as a playable character. He sat on the side of the table of the players and then... All of a sudden, there was this re- reveal moment that me and him had worked through that he was actually a villain. He was on the side right. of the big villain of the campaign, came around to the other side of the table, and we had a huge battle. In that moment, I've never seen people as mad as I have <laughs> at me and him. As right. we talk, Me and Jared talked about it afterwards with the guys, like a day or two afterwards, and we're like, we thought you guys wanted to like punch us in the face. Right, like, right. But it, like, it turned into this like villain that to this day... Uh, you bring up that name, and everybody who was in that campaign like clenches their fist in anger. Their they jaws just get locked. You can see the character. muscles tensing in their cheeks. Yeah. yeah, and that was yeah. that was a huge betrayal. One minute he's fighting with the group, and the next minute he's on the other side of the table trying to kill them with the enemy. And betrayal can be a it, it raises up really strong emotions. It does. It's a really good way to make. Uh, your players hate a guy. It gets everybody on the same page right away. You could have him be a character who, from the beginning of the campaign, was really the reason why you guys began adventuring, and he was an ally of yours, and he turns on you for whatever the reason is. It's There's nothing that makes a, a character, a person even, hate somebody more than just being backstabbed. Right. Being complete... And backstabbing can be one of the most detrimental and dangerous ways of basically losing things in the game because you're not expecting it it's it comes from it comes as a surprise because you trust somebody yeah, so you, much the yeah. trust is and man that can be such a good way to make your characters hate and your and your players hate somebody right betrayal right i think another thing that makes a good villain is a reoccurring villain yeah uh, there's plenty of villains that we've played in our campaigns that we probably wouldn't even remember because they were a one-time villain, like an orc uh, leader of an orc uh, group that you guys killed. Maybe he was significant for that night, but after that night, he's dead. Right. Um, you didn't Which really is still get to a villain. Him. Yeah, but he's it's, a, still it, yeah. a villain. You still want to think of how to make this guy a good villain. But the villains that are reoccurring, 
the campaign villain, that's the villain throughout the campaign, uh, they should be reoccurring to put into the mind of the players, this is why we're here, this is why we're fighting him. And the thing is, a, a good reoccurring villain usually would be, at the beginning of the campaign, way, way harder to defeat. Like, the right. players cannot do it at first level or whatever you start. He should be stronger than all of them. Now, how do you make him reoccurring? Why wouldn't this character... This villain just killed the guys. Right. We've had this happen a couple times. Yep. Uh, and one of the ways would just be simply this villain is just toying with them. And that's right. why he shows up and lets them live. Because he's like, you guys are never going to be able to power enough to destroy me. So live with the fact yeah. that now you're going to have to he live in a land. Yeah, yeah, a land ruled by me. Like, that's a big villain trait in a lot of villains. I think of Thanos from Marvel. Like, yeah. he is cocky to a fault. Voldemort is cocky oh, to yeah. a fault. They have great reason to be cocky. They're super powerful, but there's there's times in those stories where you go, man, if that villain just killed that hero right then, which he could have be in that moment, over. yeah, it'd be done and over, and uh, the story would be done, and that villain would have won. But uh, overconfidence sometimes can make a character be a recurring villain, but it makes it really good. Right. Um, you had a have a villain in the campaign we're playing, and now that's been we've. We've come in contact with her once. We haven't actually come face to face with her again, right? right. Since yeah. since the first time we've come into contact with other henchmen of hers and right. such, but we haven't actually come in contact with her. But we fought her once, and she could have killed oh, us she all dead killed you. with the with a flick of her fingers. Yeah. What? How did she you hit one that? of our players and it almost killed yeah. him right away? So, so how did like... you how did you make that a battle where we actually got to fight this evil yeah, villain guys... who's who we should probably be fighting at the end of the campaign yeah. and we still live yeah yeah you guys uh came up against this woman you tracked her down she did a whole bunch of stuff in the city that you were in and you tracked her down to like her lair where she was where her her hideout was and you went down you had met an npc along the way who also is extremely powerful yeah uh who was with you and what ended up happening is i gave you guys a taste of what she could do to one of the players i had her like punch mark and he went flying across the room almost died like in this first moment this first battle and it was just like you guys were all kind of just like holy crap this woman how <laughs> oh, are we no. going to beat this you yeah. know like what are you doing to us on the first night and uh the way that i kind of combated that to give you a taste of what she was like was i had another npc there who also is extremely powerful who could fight against her a little mm -hmm. bit and you guys got to see a taste of her. And the only reason that you guys really ended up coming close to... You didn't really come close to beating her. But you, the only reason that she f escaped was because... She had to escape. She had to escape because she had somebody that was way more powerful than her. You got a taste of her, but you guys were also there who could help her. Mm -hmm. Or help Dale, the, the main guy, the main NPC in my campaign. And so uh, she was more her. focused on him because he was right, right. pulling all the aggro, bigger threat. Right. And so we got to have a couple good hits on her, but right. our good hits were probably nothing compared right. to his. But we got to interact and fight with this evil villain that's a right. the big villain in your campaign. Yeah. And and we survived. Right. And she had to escape because with with us, Dale outnumbered her, and so it gave her a reason to for us to be in a battle with her, but she had to leave. And that was a good time. To, now we know who the bad guy is. Right. Now we know who to hate. And we know that we're probably going to come up against her, maybe without Dale next right, time. Right. Or she's going to be even more powerful than Dale in the future. Right. And so it's a reoccurring villain. We've yeah. seen her influence other places. Yep. I remember one time in the Sons of Bastion campaign, Chris, you were there. And 
you guys went through the Dark Bellows, the Underdark of my world, for like three nights, a big long yep. like part of the campaign, and you guys finally got out of the Dark Bellows with uh, the item that you guys needed, and the door to the guild house, the portal opened up in the air, oh, and yeah. behind you, yeah. all these bad guys like ambushed right. you, and it was too much that you guys wouldn't have been able to win, and the bad, the big bad, Karth Strongdale, the big Strongdale, villain, yeah. appeared behind you, and you guys are running through the portal in like this cinematic moment. He like throws like a ball of fire at you, and it doesn't hit you guys. You get through the portal, and that was like a moment in which you guys got to interact with the villain again, but you were able to get away. Because we had seen him before in the campaign. Yeah, you'd seen him. What? Yeah. yeah, he had come into play uh, in a, a political avenue because right, the people right. of the land thought that he was a good guy, and they start. Right. He started to twist the opinions against you guys, who were right. the actual good guys. So you just got to interact with him in a big court type of sense, right? Like a huge uh, stadium-like appearance of a court thing, and that was the first time you guys saw him. So you guys knew bad guy, but it wasn't combative. It was like a court type of sense where he, you knew the truth of a matter, and he, he was twisted twist the words. Yeah, yeah. He had people twist the yeah. words, like basically people gave up their lives to lie about certain things and because he, he had influence over them they were loyal to a fault to him but yeah and then in that moment he throws the fireball you guys get through and he got back through the guild house and he destroyed your entire guild oh, yeah. house killed yeah. all of your masters you thought he killed bastion windsailer basically there was this moment of you guys were all going to get hit by one of his spells you guys would have died right oh, there on the spot been and bastion jumps in front of you sacrificing himself Getting hit by this guy. He lived in the end. Right, we figured yeah, that yeah. out at later. And then he basically told you to jump. And you guys jumped off of this cliff into the water. And you guys survived. But it was this moment of he just killed the good NPC of the right. game. And he sacrificed himself. And this villain. It was just this moment of how can I hate this guy more? Right. Because now he's killed somebody that sacrificed himself for us. And right. It, he's destroyed our entire home. We're stranded here now. It's like it's the perfect like, storm of hate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. there's ways to have a villain's reoccur and to not just have them go, I'm way more powerful than you. Psh, you're dead. Right. Um, which, you know, you can have a villain that progresses with the characters, but how are they, how are they escaping or how are you escaping each battle? Uh, without somebody dying? You need to figure out that right. way because normal battle is going to either have the players kill the villain and then that villain's dead or the villain kills the players so you got to come up with some ways to twist the story around and and really your players should be should be okay with this if you do it in the right way and we'll talk about how to do it in the wrong way later yeah in the episode there are wrong ways there are definite sure. wrong ways yeah. to do it but if you do it in the right way players will understand hopefully they should there's how many video games are there where you fight a reoccurring enemy where you do actually even do battle with them but they, it brings you to the part where you're on your knees and he lets you live because he's like, you have no power over me. Like, I can't be human. Yeah, live in my world. Yeah. Know that you were defeated. Be, walk around shamed. Like, whether it's cockiness, whether it's they have to escape because maybe they're overpowered. Right. Because of somebody on your team. There's ways to make a villain reoccur, reoccurring throughout the campaign. Another thing that, to think about unpredictability can yeah. be another big thing that's like, a good thing for a villain with good reason right yeah <laughs> a predictable villain a lot of dms sometimes can fall into making that every single villain they have in every single campaign is the i want to take over the world right. or it's always the most powerful wizard yeah. or always the military leader or something yep. like that like you need to change it up if you don't change it up 
The villains are going to get boring. They're not going to be memorable because they're all the same. Right. And your players will start to play the exact same way every right. single campaign. Well, we're going to take them out this way. You just did that last campaign. Well, we're going to do it again. And you can't get upset as the DM if they do that because right. if you're making a villain who is predictable, the players know exactly where they're going to go. That's why uh, sometimes it's good to have that kind of what we talked about before, like a a villain who's not 100% a villain all the time. And you also have to not use that all the time. You have to... Right. Sometimes you want to have a villain who's just straight up evil. <laughs> hell-bent on taking over yep. the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you were... Especially if you do longer campaigns. I know we, we're we both doing longer yep. campaigns right now. If you were to do a campaign where it's a wizard, let's say, all the way through that campaign, and then you start another campaign, you do the introduction, they meet the bad guy right away, and it's another freaking wizard. Yep. Like, you're like, all right, here we go again. He's got <laughs> nothing new on the table here. You know, we know exactly how to beat this guy. Mm-hmm. You might not know exactly, but you're like, I have a pretty good idea how to how to beat this guy. Make sure you're switching it up. Always, yeah. always switch it up. Going along with that, being unpredictable with your villains, you want to have memorable moments, things that were that stick out with that villain in mind. Like moments. Yeah. Uh, one such moment could be you begin the campaign, and I think it's a good thing a lot of times to introduce the big bad at the beginning of the campaign. First uh, time you get together, introduce that big bad. Yeah. I think a lot of times that can be really good. Yeah. Uh, you could introduce him in the sense that all of your players, like their characters, live in the same town. They've lived there their whole life. Uh, maybe they're not adventurers. Maybe they need a reason to be adventurers, and you could have either the big bad himself or a bunch of his henchmen come through the town, take it over. Maybe they just burn it. It's, if it's a you know villain who just wants to watch the world burn, kind yeah. of sense, just comes through in and burns the village or destroys the village. You could have him in that moment kill family members, friends. That's something that your players and their characters can latch onto, and it's a moment that they're always going to remember. That moment that that villain destroyed their lives as they knew it. Yeah, yeah. I know that's what I did in, in this campaign that I'm doing now, is I had them basically burn part of the town. One of the guy's dads got arrested because he was suspicious. Yeah. So, like, they suspected him of doing it. And then you met the big bad guy, like, the next day. I, have we, we haven't met, like, the main bad guy in your campaign yet, have we? I mean, we know that it's like... What What would you say? What Who Who is the... If you had to say in my campaign well, what I, the big I, bad guy is... I know that there's our old... Like, our, our one-off campaign characters coming for us. I don't... I mean, there's the whole thing with Ivana. I don't really know what that means yet. Uh, and then there was the god in that dungeon. I think that's, like, the main bad guy. Mm-hmm. who I forget what his name is. But he was, like, trying to stop everybody from... Like, stop our group, it seemed like, yeah. from doing whatever well, it was they were doing is, in the cave. A lot, a big part of the problem in answering that question for you, Chris, is that away. a lot of yeah. our, the campaign that we're playing in right now is very different. It's so different than any campaign I've ever done before. I'm really excited about it, but a lot of it is seeped, as you guys know, as you know, in mystery. Like, right. I'm giving you prophecies. You guys are trying to kind of go, what does this mean? But yeah. there's really, I'm giving you prophecies with the intent of knowing you guys can't figure this right. out, really. Right. When you get to that point, you guys are going to be like, that's what it meant. Sweet. Yeah. But like, yeah, who is the big bad in my world? In my not in my world, in my campaign right now that we're doing. Um 
See, I don't. The, even if I did answer it right now, it would not be a straightforward answer. Yeah, I'd probably be like, oh, like even if I right. could, it would, it's kind of like convoluted and sure. it's not an easy answer. So we'll have to see. Keep listening to the story time. You'll right. get to see what right. where that campaign goes. But yeah, that's it's that's a good question. Yeah, we I know who the <laughs> bad guys in your campaign. Mate, you took that approach of making them very apparent early on in my sandbox campaign that wasn't apparent at all in fact we didn't have really a big villain until a while yeah, ago yeah we did we did like three months of campaigning without yeah. ever just having kind of, like our first like oh there's a main quest that big we're main quest just yeah. kind of doing lots of little adventures and it was a good way to get your party all in in it together right. but yeah uh there there's a villain or villains we'll figure it out later in the quest yeah um Kind of shrugging my shoulders right now because I don't know how to explain. <laughs> yeah, it. but right. yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So those are a lot of uh, ways to make your villain into a quote unquote good villain. Uh, we're gonna give you now some other characteristics that could make a good villain memorable. Uh, we just really and not really any type of order. We just have a couple of things that we came up with that really could make a villain a really interesting memorable villain the first one is something that we already talked about a little bit but uh, having the villain be the not so bad guy right, right. Uh, he's not exactly a villain there's plenty of backstories of villains and stories that they're not a hundred percent a villain like what is it that made them get to the point in the story that they are a villain maybe somebody killed their their family maybe somebody did something villainous to them and then they've just been spurred on by the hate of that or, like, the hurt of that. Uh, Darth Vader, to me, is a huge example. Like, Darth yeah. Vader is never, in my mind, 100% a villain. He seems, in the first couple movies, or, like, in yeah. the first, like, movie and a half, he seems like that really big, yeah. like... the original ones, he, you mean. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the original ones, yeah. He seems like the really, like, tough, like... Because he, he just the choke thing where he killed yeah. it's like... That is extremely evil. Is he a villain? He Obviously. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like, a lot of people going in and seeing the first Star Wars movies, and even people now when they see the first like original Star Wars movies, they don't know the whole backstory mm -hmm. behind Anakin and him turning into Darth Vader. And so it seems like from the outside he's this really like just hate-filled guy, like that he's just he's just bent on watching the world burn and taking it over, you know? It, when in reality... There's the whole backside of him. I mean, he had a he had a tortured childhood yeah. that turned him in, and he's like always fighting between like, and you see it when he's like, Luke, I'm your father. Like, mm -hmm. he still got that like good side in him. He's well, that's like, the I thing. Wanna... Like, even in the first two movies, if you know the story behind it, you can notice moments in those first two original movies where Darth Vader, whether it's through a hesitation or something, there's something else there. He's right. not he's not a hundred percent villain, right. and he shows that. In Return of the Jedi, like he's oh, not, yeah. he comes back around. He's got a Force Ghost going on. He's right. He turns out in the end, he makes the right decision. Right. He redeems himself. Yeah, he yeah. redeems himself. Yeah, and like another one hundred percent. Yeah, another characteristic can be he's the charm. Like he or she is the charming person yeah. in the group. Like <laughs> how many movies is it where the either the best looking or the one that can talk yeah. the best or or whatever the most charming personality in the room ends up being the bad guy? Yeah, like and that is that is. That is key in some being the, in some being bad the villain guys. that the players love to hate or maybe hate to also kind of love. Right. Like it's like that villain who it's like, man, he's evil. I hate what he does. I hate him, but I kind of like him too. Right? <laughs> like, he's yeah. super charming. Right? Like, I think of. I mean, go to one of the biggest villains of all time. I think of like from the Bible, Satan. Oh yeah. Is, you know, he masquerades it says as an angel of light. He's right. so, he doesn't come off as a villain. He's not this. A wolf it, the Bible in does not. Clothing, yeah, the Bible doesn't yeah. describe him as a the red hoofed like 
creature that you see in like and cow and chicken, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but cow and chicken. Classic, right? <laughs> he's not like that. Like described in the Bible, he's like he's an angel of light. You see right. him and you think, oh, good looking dude. That's like, is he a villain? Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. can take that kind of concept and put it into your yep. villain. He doesn't have to be like grotesque face. He doesn't have to have personality that like he just screams and kills right. people. He could be right. really charming. He could he could sentence you to death and do it with a smile on his face and do it in a way that most people are like, yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, you, good, you good, know, yeah. Like fooling them. You into made the it. right choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another. Uh, characteristic could be we talked about giving your villain personality now how do you do that in a sense where your villain is a villain that you're not going to meet to the end I think that you can give a villain personality through their influence to me Sauron from Lord of the Rings is a great example of this they don't like Frodo and Sam like they never see Sauron. I mean, you can other than you can argue, you can the, argue when Frodo yeah. sees the eye or the whatever, villain, the yeah. visions of the eye stuff. But they never come into contact with Sauron. If it's you watch the, the name, movies, like they know the name yeah. and the outreach. You that see he that has. flashback of Sauron, and he's like hitting people with his huge, awesome mace, yep. like in the battle that was like I think like three thousand years or something before, yeah. or something like that. And like you see that, and not three thousand years. It was definitely less than that. Gandalf's three thousand years old. But regardless, uh, yeah, like you see that, and you see him. It per like in his form there at the beginning, but he's always in his eye form throughout the movie, and right. really no character really comes into contact with him. But Sauron, you know what Sauron's about. You know what his personality is through his the forces that follow him, through the influence yeah. that he has. You know that he just he hates all things good. He would destroy the elves. He would destroy the halflings. He'd destroy the sh- the Shire. Like you know. That he's evil, you know what yeah. he's about. And you Bums could do that, yeah, you could do that through, like, people that are a part of that clan or that group or whatever mm-hmm. carry an, an image around with them. Like, I, I just watched The Second Hobbit uh, yesterday again, and, like, when they enter Mirkwood, he pulls down, like, the vines on the back of that elf statue, and there's, like, the red eye, yeah. like, on the back of it. And it's, like, you see images like that, and it's just, like, there's, like, influence just all over the place. Through yeah. It could be through decrees or, like propaganda throughout cities. I mean, it could be all sorts of different ways that influence can be essentially who the bad guy is until the end of the movie. The Emperor is a good example of that. The original movie's like, you didn't get to see the Emperor until the third movie. You got a hologram of him very quickly in the second movie in Empire Strikes Back, but you never got to actually see the Emperor until Return of the Jedi. But (laughs) you knew the Emperor was was a bad bad dude. You knew what he was about. Control, like controlling the universe. Oh, yeah. Just like, yeah. He, he was, just the fact that he's the emperor of this evil empire, you know he's about power and all this, and the way that he interacts with Vader, even in the hologram, you kind of know who he is just from his influence. Right, yeah. I mean, you can you could also think of another characteristic is you have, whether it's like the dumb orc or whatever, who refers to himself in the third person all the time. <laughs> or some guy who's just totally full of himself. Yeah, like, or, like, or a very, really arrogant yeah, person. Yeah. A very memorable trait of a villain, like the guy who always refers to yeah. himself. In yep. the third person, yeah, <laughs> like totally memorable, totally. Yeah, you don't hear many good. Minus Bob Dole, you never hear any like good Bob people Dole. who are like who are using their name in the third Bob person. Dole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Bob Dole. Oh, Bob Dole says. <laughs> <laughs> um, another personality trait that can make a character a villain interesting is we've talked about this a little bit, but who's backing him? Who are his yeah. henchmen? 
when I think of this, I think of like a lot of the Batman villains. Like the Joker has all these like oh, Joker yeah. uh, henchmen running around. They have all they, the masks. Yeah, and stuff they're like that, yeah. doing the chaotic things that the Joker wants them to do. You think of the you think of Darth Vader, or the Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers, oh, yeah. iconic henchmen. They um, look fairly faceless. similar too. Yeah, yeah, faceless. All of us true Star Wars fans know that they're not clones and that they're, <laughs> right. that they're humans. Right. Uh, but that you know they're faceless, but they have. A personality, but that's not what you see. They're faceless. They don't have a personality. They're iconic to that villain. Right. Henchman can be a really good way to give that villain a characteristic in itself. Oh, yeah. Uh, it could be, you know, this person... It's not necessarily a characteristic thing, but they're powered by this powerful object. Yeah. Like, the the whole reason that they're evil or came upon their evilness, I guess you could say, is maybe they caught they they found this item and it took control of them or they were driven so crazy by the power that it gave them that they became that evil character yeah maybe they're maybe they're pretty much who are they as a person maybe they're a nobody right. and this this powerful object gives them the power to be a somebody but really without this object they're a level 1 not right. 20 commoner right yeah <laughs> uh, i think of the icewind dale trilogy written by ari salvador like i don't remember the villain's name from it but he was a wizard that was pretty much a really lousy wizard right. who got his hands on the crystal shard and because became, of that became yeah. a really powerful force to be dealt with and even and he was he was he was really a nobody and always wanted to be powerful but he didn't really know how to he wasn't a good wizard to begin with but this object allowed him to become powerful and he was not he shouldn't have been powerful because he right. was he was right. an evil dude um, another way that I think this is one of my favorites, and I've done this in with Dama Dwinadrin, you give to make a car- a villain memorable is give them a cool mount. Right. Uh, whether it's a warg, whether they're riding a T Rex, how do you forget a villain who rides a T Rex or a you dragon? Don't. Yeah, no. You don't. Like that makes them even it, like, more automatically makes sense. them a bad guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. Oh, you're riding on a T Rex? Yeah. We're gonna be best <laughs> friends. Like you're super nice. And then there's uh, I think of Dama Dwinadrin, he had a he rode on the back of a huge dire bat, and that bat oh, had like yeah, armor yeah. all over him. And so he, he'd be in the middle of fighting, and he'd jump on his bat if you guys got the upper hand, fly away, and try to escape. Like he was, that right. was a part of his character that was very memorable yeah. with him. Another characteristic is trickery. They mm-hmm. could use the heroes the whole way through. Like you, you as the players could think you were doing something good the whole time, and in reality, it was just furthering the bad guys' yes. like goals. Uh, you could, you could be used and tricked into doing whatever the bad guy wants you to do. Mm-hmm. That's another characteristic. I think of Watchmen, the yeah. villain in that. Is he, all everything that happens in that, all of the uh, superheroes in that movie, everything that happens, he planned for it to happen. Oh, yeah. And it leads up to the point where he's able to accomplish his goals. And that's also an example of a villain not being 100% a villain because even some of the heroes at the end are like, we hate you, but we get what you did. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we that's, understand. he used trickery knowing the other superheroes to get them to do what he knew they would do and what he wanted right. them to do. Right. Another yeah. example of that is Wormtail from the Harry yeah, Potter series. Yeah. Uh, you have the whole entire time of the third book, you have them all going after Sirius Black. They want this guy dead. When Sirius Black is not the villain, it is, it is Wormtail and right. Voldemort are the villains, but it's been a whole lot of trickery to get to the point where... Uh, you know, you have to figure out this is actually the bad right, one. <laughs> right. He's actually doing stuff to help Voldemort. Yeah. 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 Um, I think another way to do it is how does he rule? Is it out of fear? 
yeah. spoils, mind control, stuff like Roll that. with an iron fist? Yeah, yeah. Or does he, yeah, Does is it like a Viking type sense of, oh, you take over this town for me and take your spoils, take whatever you right. want. Or is it, yeah, like you said, a mind control thing? Is it something you don't have any control Powerful over whatsoever? With mind control, yeah. Powerful object with mind control. Right. Yep. Is he leading an army of undead who just follow him because he's a powerful necromancer? Right. Yeah. Uh, how does he rule his army, his forces, if, right. if that's something that relates to that villain of having forces and yep. henchmen? Yep. Um, another thing that we've come up with that could be a really interesting way for you as um, a DM to make your players love and be interested in your villains is make them player created. We just recently did this with my one-off where right. you guys created evil characters and you made them really good. Which I is funny because now you guys, really yeah, good. Now you guys are like, why did we make them so good? Yeah. And in we the all end, we all did our hand at like yeah. min-maxing to the max. <laughs> and you guys found out that oh crap, like these villains are coming up against our other heroes in the other campaign. Now, you guys, it's funny, Chris, because you're like, I hate the fact that I made him good. Uh, not, <laughs> he's not going to be easy to defeat. But your characters in that campaign have no idea who these guys are. But as players, you guys are really interested yeah. and really like, quote unquote, looking forward to it. Like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not because I know <laughs> it's going to be hard. You know it's gonna be but hard. I'm looking forward to it because I'm like, man, I want to see those guys. Like, yeah. I want to see how they fight, like what you do with them. Yeah, these yeah. are characters that you guys have created and now you will be going up against them so let's say that's a good way to make your players interested another way is what if the villain is not even a typical villain but what if it's just a god or right. gods in the sense um and they are the big villain of the campaign is a god i've heard stories of campaigns where players have killed gods and such uh that's something that has happened in my world as far as like mortals have killed certain gods but it's such a rare thing. Yeah. It's not something that it you shouldn't should, be easy if to you, do. Yeah, if you want your players to realize how powerful gods are, don't have them kill a god every single campaign. Yeah. And it should be, like, crazy. Like, yeah. it should be, like, over level 20 if they're going to even have a chance. I was I was just god. looking at some of the gods today. I was looking at uh, Bahamut. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a good dragon, like, yeah. god, essentially. Yeah. But his AC was like seventy or something like that. I was like, "Oh my god, how do you even begin like fighting?" Nat like, well, and I think it was uh, who, I think I was looking at like Saint Cuthbert or something like that, and it was like seventy nine or something. I was like, "This is crazy! Like, you'd never be able to kill these guys. Like, there's no stinking way you'd be able to do that." Yeah. So it should be really hard. Yeah, if it's a it god. should be hard to impossible. Like, you yeah. do not want to have your level eights fighting a god unless it's the fact that you want the god to beat them and leave them alive right, for some reason right. whatever it is like or, yeah, or it could be the god like you know you don't necessarily fight the person but you like it's one of those things where he rules through influence too where you are constantly putting out fires here there and everywhere until they maybe run out of guys or they have like a main guy who's mm -hmm. running everything in behind and you know in the background that you have to defeat too yeah. so one of the things is with these guys this is something fun we incorporate a lot of music into our campaigns mm -hmm. Every time you face the bad guy, is there like some sort of theme music that goes along yeah. with like battle music? Not like cheesy entrance <laughs> no. music, like like the price oh, is right. Come to on, yeah, right? There's none of that. It's like it's legitimately like every time this guy comes, maybe you start it. Like at the you say roll for initiative and you start it and then everybody's like oh, realizes what they're yeah, exactly like, like you oh, haven't even no. revealed it, but you start yeah. the music and they're like, No Or it's something that you like you've you've had the like we talked about recurring. You you have the bad guy recur every once in a while, yeah. and like every time you have it play, you get to what you think might be close to the end of the campaign, and you click the button exactly, and it starts playing. And they're like, 
Oh, <laughs> frick. Yep. We're screwed. We have to, like, there's no running away from this now. So theme music can be a, a huge thing for players, too. And this is another characteristic to make a villain a good villain, and I think that this can be one of the most important attributes of a villain. So listen up, because I've seen it work really good. I've seen it work really bad. Their name. Uh, you yeah. want your villain to have a memorable name. One also that your players are not going to find fault with and laugh at. Think right. about your name. Make sure that when you say the name a couple times before, when you decide on it, make sure it sounds good. It rolls off your tongue. Don't make it be a name that's hard to, like, impossible to pronounce, especially even for you because nobody's going to care about some guy that you, they can't even pronounce their name. They're going to care about them, but it's going to be annoying. Right. I can remember one time I had a villain, and he wasn't a huge villain, but he was a a wizard and he had a name that one of my like all the players were fighting him and they were really digging in one of the players realized oh this name kind of sounds like some other dirty word oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh that just became the running joke with this villain and you want to make you can never recover from that you either, can never recover right? from that that villain's tainted for the rest of yeah. time yeah. That being said, that wasn't something that I could really prevent. It wasn't something that I like thought of. So no, it might yeah. happen. Yeah. But try your best to make a name that's going to be a good name yep. for the villain. Yep. So we've said all these great things about what makes a good quote-unquote villain. Now let's talk about what makes a bad villain. A villain that doesn't really work. I think the first thing that makes a bad villain awful, where he's just a terrible, terrible, nobody really cares about this guy is when he's reoccurring and yet can never be conquered. He's almost like he's unkillable. Um, the point where you see this villain over and over and over and over again, you have continual interactions with him, you do a little bit of damage, and yet he's never, ever going to be killed. And it could be the campaign ends up being he kills all of you and then just runs amok throughout the whole world, or he's never vanquished, he's never thrown into oblivion, whatever, whatever you want to be. I think, I think that can make a, a villain. It can be good for a little while, if he's if he's unkillable, uh, but there has to come a point in time where where your players get some sort of what's the word I'm looking for satisfaction, some closure. If having the character, the villain die, you know, the main villain of the campaign is a main part right. of the campaign, and the campaigns that you work on as a DM, you should have an end goal, and you should work towards that end goal. There's we've played so many campaigns that haven't ended, and they haven't been for lack of story being finished, they've been because people have left or whatever, right. and it's just unfortunate other circumstances. But you should have an end goal for your campaign. You should try and finish your campaign. A campaign that does end is, when you get there, it's like it's just a feat of accomplishment when you finish right. a campaign, especially a long campaign. Yeah. And so the villain is a huge part of that, and you need to bring that villain and your heroes, your PCs, to a concluding point. And a villain who doesn't get conquered, whether it's being conquered through death, whether it's being conquered by putting him in prison the rest of his life, right. or you know, if it's some otherworldly being sending him back to whatever other plane other or oblivion have, yeah. that he came from, that's that's got to be wrapped up at the end. Oh, also, yeah. going along with an unkillable villain, we've talked about reoccurring villains being the best kind of villains, but we also said... It has to be done in the right way. Now, I remember this one campaign I played in one time, and we were introduced to the campaign villain 
in probably one of the worst ways you could ever be introduced to it. It was basically this battle that the DM basically decided he wanted us to understand the sheer might and power of this villain, but he did it in a way that, like, we could tell right off the bat this thing was supposed to, this, this wizard that we were fighting was supposed to be, like, powerful, and we weren't going to beat him, but we could understand that from about maybe, like, five minutes into the combat because he did it in a combat form but it took us an hour and probably 40 minutes to finish this combat and it was ridiculous we're sitting there and we're like it's this this moment of defeat as players like oh, we yeah. knew we couldn't win we knew that he wasn't gonna let us win i actually after a while started taking down the the health the damage that we did to him and I remember I got up to like 500 something and I was like, screw this man, this is not even worth it. That's yeah, crazy. Look at your face like right now. Like it was, it was, it was ridiculous. And the funny thing was he wasn't even that hard to hit. Right. He didn't have a huge AC, but we just kept doing damage and damage and damage. And by a certain point, and it was way before 500 something, we were like, okay, this villain has X HP. Right. This, the Which DM is me, just X meaning there is no infinite. HP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The DM doesn't even care. Right. He's just trying to drive yeah. home like a battle and like prove that this guy is powerful well it was too much like we we lost everybody lost interest we hated the battle and the dm it there wasn't really even an end point to it it was like the end point was us all basically dying and i remember my character and by dying i mean we were all like down right, yeah. so like he didn't yeah. kill us but we were all down and i remember my character uh, who had the ability of flight basically got to the point where I was like, all my friends are dead. Like, I I am a good guy, but I'm not going to stick around. This guy's oh, clearly no, yeah. is too strong. So, like, I flew away, and the DM, you could tell the DM was like, what do I do with this? Like, he's flying away. So, and throughout the battle, this was an occurring theme. The, the DM would give the villain powers that you could tell that the villain didn't have. Or he was just making he was, up on the yeah, spot. Yeah, he was just making so, up on yeah, the yeah. spot to, to counteract really smart things that we had right. done to kind of foil the villain's It's plans. almost like he just had an answer for everything. Ex well, that was it. And you could tell. It wasn't right. like he was pulling it off in a good right. way. Like, it, you could, it wasn't like you could, he was rolling a good bluff check. He was, it was clearly like he right. was making it up on the, and so I started flying away and basically to, I don't want to get into the character, but I, I went into the, the ethereal plane and that's how I could float and fly away. Right. And so I'm like, 300 feet in the air just like going as fast as I can like I've been doing it for a couple rounds and this villain shoots out these purple like transparent chains they wrap around me and they bring me down to the ground and I'm also at zero now <laughs> it's like it's like oh <laughs> the purple chain how, attack how oh, I know that it? very well like, and yeah. it just happens to be able to fly into the ethereal yeah, plane yeah, you exactly. can see into it's the ethereal, ethereal chains <laughs> yeah it was it has like and, detect ethereal or something the, like that. Just... And honestly, that wasn't the biggest, the biggest like fault of the DM to come up with some cool powers that counteracted our powers because he was trying to drive home too that this was a powerful wizard. Right. So it was a little, it was completely. You could tell that he was doing it like, and he was kind of stumped by things we would do, and so he tried to figure out ways to counteract that. You could tell. Right. Um, however, the worst part was just having to sit there for an hour and like it was almost two hours fighting this thing, taking down the hit points and being like, "This we've done over five hundred damage. This yeah. thing, this is bullcrap." Just yeah. Just, why do you? And and honestly, you can do a battle like that 
Just don't do it for an hour and 40 minutes. Really, the best right. way... How many video games have, like, a cutscene where a villain, like, defeats you? Like, just do that. A lot that. of that. Yeah. Just do that where you uh, have, a like, a scene where you describe it to the players and you say, oh, he, like... You fight with this guy, uh, you get in a couple sweet hits, like, you get in a couple, but then he brings you down almost as if he's toying with you, and you're all, like, on the yeah, you bleeding out. Yeah, you could do it to the point, yeah, where you just are, like, instead of having you go through this whole, like, you're actually acting out the cutscene, where it's, like, you do 500 damage, you're yeah. just, like, you fight this guy for a while, it's a bloody battle, and you guys all end up passing out at the end, or getting knocked down, like, that's a great way to, like, say, this guy is extremely powerful, there is no stinking way you're gonna defeat this guy, at what what level were you guys when you started? Like I don't probably like five. Yeah, so like there's no way that you guys are gonna beat this guy at level yeah. five. Like no possible way. I think that's a good way to do it. And but. it's and it, it was just like you could have finished that in five minutes rather oh, than yeah. having us be there yeah. for an hour and forty minutes. And uh, coincidentally, I think that was the last time we actually played that campaign. The one and only time. <laughs> so it did not like finish at all. But <laughs> and there was <laughs> many reasons. But anyway, yeah, so like that happened. And I remember all... I, I've done that before where I've had a battle. We've talked about doing reoccurring battles. Oh, yeah. What you should do is you should have a certain amount of hit points that the villain has to be brought down to. And that's basically... Like, if you're going to do a battle, that's basically them conquering that villain. Right. Still give them XP. Still, like, end the battle there. Just instead of having the villain die, you have him, like call up some powerful thing or whatever to escape. Right. You make something happen in the story to stop that battle, to let your heroes get away. Like, you need to have some other way of just the villain has X amount of HP right. and you're going to fight him until all your characters are dead. Because there were some of us that I talked to the, some of the players afterwards and we had realized it way early on oh, yeah. for that long of a battle. I think after you've done about 200 damage, you're kind of like, okay, yeah. what's going and we on were, here? We, were, we talked about it afterwards, and it was funny how many of us said that we were thinking about just saying, I stab myself in the throat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that we, one... We ended ourselves? Uh, what is my... I, I will use my move action, and as my standard action, I will stab myself in the throat. <laughs> I will run up to him, look at him, and then do it. It was like, we'd rather just, like, end it. We yeah. knew what we knew what was going to happen. They were all supposed to just drop by the time that... Like, about 20 minutes ago, we were like, obviously, we're not beating this thing. He just wants to, like, have him beat all of us. Just do it in a cutscene-like yeah. way. Don't make us suffer. Yeah. So don't make your players suffer through an unkillable villain in the sense of an X amount of HP. Right. Never, never do that. You'll lose all your players. Battle can be... I, Chris, you and me, we enjoy battle. Oh, yeah. It, it like, does add fun elements yeah. to the game. But the um, time amount in battle sometimes is just extremely terribly long. Well, and as a DM, too, don't I noticed... Don't make it pointless. Yeah, I... I get bored if battle goes on for like three hours. I know, like we had we had a couple of times where where your battles have gone really long and my battles have yep. gone really long. And I think for both of us, we kind of get to the point where it's like, why did we put so many things in here? And right? like it's just kind of like you get to a point after like an hour of like battle, it's like, oh man, I just want this to be done. Like let's just move back into the regular. Story <laughs> well, we just part of had it. our uh, we just had a battle with uh, Entons and tons of orcs, oh, and yeah. just got to that point where I was like. All right, the orcs all run away, and like I was, I was waiting <laughs> yeah. for like a somebody at the table, not gonna say any names, but Mark, <laughs> to basically go, I'm gonna chase after them because he loves battle. Oh yeah, and I was like, no, just let them get away, yeah. and he did, thankfully. Yeah, because you were just kind of like, all right, they make it to the edge of the table, and then you take yeah. them off, and they're yeah. gone. <laughs> I was like, I just want to be done with this battle, 
And it was, it's funny because sometimes you're like, you're like, well, I want to have a big battle with tons of guys, but the more guys you put in, sometimes the, it's all the time, the longer it's going to be and it can just get tedious. But, but anyway, going back to the villain, the villain, don't make your villain an unkillable villain yeah. in a bad way. Like we just explained, right. don't do that. You will have players that are upset. You don't want it to be like the campaign where I played, where basically that campaign just ended. Yeah. Not that that was the only problem, but that was yeah. a big problem. I uh, I think the next one after being unkillable that we want to touch on is having your villain. This can be this can make a villain awful. Having confusing motives or yeah. having somebody that starts out doing one thing, like they are just bent on destroying this nation, and then all of a sudden their motives change to like well, maybe I just want to go over here and do something, or maybe I want to go over here and do something, or they just completely flip-flop on what they're going to do. I think having confusing motives can, at some point in time, your players will be like, okay, what is this guy? What are we really what, trying yeah. to do what here? What is this guy like, doing? What's the point? Like we said before, your villain, your main villain is going to be a huge part of your story. Oh, yeah. Make him make sense. Make him, Make his motives make sense. Don't yeah. have to be confusing. Well, I think most times with... Like, I know how I am when I get motivated to do something. I'm like, boom, I want to go and do it. Most times, I'm not calling myself a villain, but most times when villains have, like, something in mind they want to do, they're going to go after it with everything they've got. They're not going to waste their time doing something that has nothing to do with what they're doing. You know, unless it's going to help towards the end goal or whatever. Uh, most times, they're going to they're gonna stay focused on what that end goal is because it makes... It makes a good villain when you do that. When you have them focused on one thing, they're not always flip flop, wishy washy. You know. Yeah. Now, what we're not saying here is we're not we're not saying don't have your villain have like hidden motives or hidden right. agendas. That can be really good. I think more what we're trying to say is make sure that you, as the DM, understand the villain's motives, what he's trying to accomplish, and how you portray that to the players. That's where the story comes in, and they might have to, they might not know his motives. It might be might, a little mysterious. Yeah, though. might have to figure them out. But if you have from the get go, you know your villain, you know what he wants, then there will be a consistency through it. And that kind of brings us to the next point. A villain who's inconsistent can be very, it kind of goes along with the, the motives. Keep your villain consistent in his motives, in the way that he deals with the world around him. That doesn't mean. Uh, when we talk about making your motives not confusing, making your villain consistent, we're not saying make a simplistic villain. Uh, you can have a complex villain, but it should make sense. One of our biggest points here is make your villain what he does, uh, who he is, make it all make sense to the person that he is. Right. The only time that we'd say break away from this is if you have a villain that is completely crazy right. and his inconsistency, his confusing, confusing motives are part of what makes sense right. about they it talked about because it. he's yeah. insane. We talked about it earlier. He just, it's somebody that wants to just see the world burn. Like the Joker, for example. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, he has, he has some motives. Like he wants Batman to break his one rule, yeah. but he's also just insane. Like yeah. he's just crazy. But even in that, the Joker is pretty consistent. Right, with, yeah. Like his... his He's not predictable, that's for sure. Right. But he's pretty consistent yeah. in what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, if he's going to be crazy, you can break those two rules. Right. But make sure that you drive that point home right. that he's insane. Yeah. That he's crazy. You have to do, if he, if he seems normal and he does crazy things, it's not going to work. Like, if he's crazy, make him, like, crazy. Make sure your characters <laughs> know, 
Like, your players know that he is legit 100% insane. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. Yeah. crazy. Having a bad name for the next point will just absolutely derail your character. Like, or your, your villain. If you introduce your villain with some, like, just terrible, terrible name, and your players kind of look at you and they just laugh at you, or they just have, like, these weird <laughs> smirks. Unless it's a humorous like, campaign. Right, right, unless it's a humorous <laughs> campaign. But if you're, like, trying to have, like, this guy who's bent on conquering a nation or or whatever, like, if it has anything to do with, like, conquering something and you give him, like, a silly name, like, Daffodil or something like that, like, really out, that's really out there. But, like, if he just doesn't have a strong name, it's going to derail the respect that your characters give to the villain yeah, in your we, campaign. We talked about the importance of a good name before. Like, when I come up with a villain in my campaigns, I spent so long trying to come up with names for... Yeah. like the villain and working through them you should like spend a lot of time on it you should say that name yeah that's over what i was gonna say again, say it out over and loud, over again, like yeah. so that you hear it and you're like does this sound funny in any way do i like this and don't settle for anything until you're like that's it that's yeah. it right there if you need help go to like there's lots of generators are, yeah, out generators, there for it. like and you might spend out, a lot of the generators out there that i've seen aren't that great but you can find after clicking it 1,000 times yeah. you'll find something that or maybe you can mix and gives match. you an idea you can mix and match things yeah. too that. Uh, you can like find different language languages online for different words that maybe you want to make it his their name be something along the lines of what they are as a character right and so this all this goes back to the having a good name making a good villain but a bad name will equally make your villain just suck and not be appreciated right. by the players. Maybe appreciated in the wrong way. So right, right. don't have a bad name. Yep. I think the other one is if your character, if your villain doesn't have a personality, like there's a reason why I don't like hanging out with people who have no personality <laughs> in real life. Like oh, if you, if you, <laughs> no personality. Yeah, right. Yeah. If, uh, if, uh, if your, if your villain doesn't have a personality, if there's no character development, if there's nothing that like is attractive, like, in a in a good and a bad way to your villain like if, if there's nothing that your players are constantly like this guy is interesting to me they're not gonna it's not gonna be interesting to them there's yeah. gonna be no reason for them to really be bought into that villain it's gonna be one of those things that they look at that villain and they're like okay he seems kind of meh at best <laughs> you know like there's no reason for us to pursue him. He's not going to do anything bad. Yeah, you unless know? your villain of the campaign is going to be a Tarrasque. Like, you don't really need to worry about the Tarrasque's <laughs> right, personality. Just right. have him go around from city to city and destroy him. Right, right. Like, you, if your villain's going to be any intelligent type of creature, make him have a personality. Make that personality an intriguing one. Yeah. One that you... If you don't spend time on the personality of your villain, don't expect your players to yeah. become interested in them, to hate to love them or love to hate them, yeah. whatever. I think one thing that I, I, I always come back to, and we said this earlier, the villain is kind of your character. Your like, PC, yeah. I, one thing that I, I did starting this campaign is, the campaign that I'm in now, is I actually went through and made like made a backstory for the person that I that I have, for Evanor, that's in, in my campaign. Like I made stats for her and stuff like that because I was like, if if I don't do this, it's go I'm going to get to a point where I'm like, I don't really know what's going on with this character. <laughs> like, I'm going to be making up on, on the spot, and if I have those sort of, like, personality twitches or whatever you want to call it, those personality quirks, you know, before you go into it, that's always a good way for characters to be bought into your villain instead of just making it up on the spot and not remembering what you've said before or how you've acted with the character before. So, so there you go. Uh, those are our ideas of how to make a good villain 
or a bad villain. Yeah. If you really want to just be a terrible DM and make bad villains, <laughs> you just take down the notes for that last part and just go and on. Follow into it. <laughs> make an unkillable character that's inconsistent, confusing motives, has a bad name with no personality. Right, so, right. All right, Chris, let's move on to the light bulb. All right, so Mitch, this time on the light bulb, we've kind of talked about this and we've gotten emails about this before, the crit fumble system that we use. Go ahead and explain that for us. Okay, so uh, we thought that this would be an appropriate light bulb since uh, sometimes as at the gaming table, you get to be the villain when crit ones are rolled. Oh yeah. You get to be the villain. Now, I love crit ones and maybe you and your group don't play with crit ones. They just are misses or whatever, but as a player and the DM, I think that crit ones can actually be, at times, even more fun, way more fun than crit hits because yeah. crit hit, oh, you do a lot of damage, blah, blah, blah. But with critical misses, you can just have a whole slew of goofy things that happen. And it can, like, if you just appreciate it, it can be a lot of fun. They could, they really do add memorable moments they to do. campaigns. <laughs> they do. So basically what I have created, because... At times as a DM, you're coming up with so much stuff. You, you're having to pull things out of your butt all the time. Right. It's difficult when so many crit ones happen in a night to come up with a new thing every single time. So uh, I came up with this thing I call the crit fumble chart of doom. And so what happens is if you, it's it only is it for battle. Whenever there's a crit one that happens outside of battle, I still come up with whatever the consequences for that just off the top of my head. But for in battle, uh, you roll, if you roll a crit one, you then proceed to roll a d6. And so the d6 uh, has six options. There's hidden ally, uh, that's a two if you roll. Three, you hit yourself. Four, you drop your weapon. Five, you harm yourself for one d6 rounds. And that would be in the idea of like twisting your uh, wrist so you get a minus two to hit for that right. many rounds. Or uh, twisting your ankle and getting a penalty to movement. Right. Uh, six, you fall prone, and then just going back to the hit an alley or hit, or hit yourself, you still need to then roll four to see if you actually beat their AC. Right. So it's like you're making another attack. And I also say if it makes sense. Like we've had a like somebody with a crossbow like make crit one, and all their allies are behind them, and they yeah. roll or you hit or an you ally. Go to swing, and you have hit an ally, and there's yeah, nobody, and there's in the nobody near you. We just say, all right, roll, roll a d6 again. That doesn't make sense. We're not making you do right. that. But the worst thing that's on here is if you roll a one, uh, then it's it's the doom dice. And so you basically, now you go into, you you have crit one, your crit one. Right. And you go to a d10 in which there's a whole slew of other things that could happen. Two being automatically damage yourself, so you don't need to roll the hit. Three, automatically damage an ally. Four, your weapon breaks. And we kind of came up with a system of this because magical weapons should be harder to break, so they kind of have a tally mark yeah. of how many times it's I think happens. it was whatever the plus is on it. That's the yeah. amount of times that yep, you could that's it takes how we to break it. it. Yeah. Uh, five, your armor malfunctions. So if you have like a chain shirt, all the chains like become loose and they just fall to the ground. Uh, if uh, if you roll suck. a six, yeah. If you roll a six, you're stuck in place, so you as the DM have to come up with, oh, like, you you know, you know, put your foot down and get stuck between a rock or something. Or in the mud or something A rock in like a hard that. place. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, or the mud. Whatever it is the environment you're in. So you're stuck in place. 
Uh, seven, your weapon is inaccessible. So we've had like a barbarian like throw like accidentally lose his sword and get stuck in the ceiling for yeah. the like encounter. Or you hit a pole or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something it's like there. that. Yeah, it gets stuck in the pole and you can't pull it out. Eight, you knock yourself out for one d six rounds. That's a pretty awful one. Yeah, well, yeah, because <laughs> they crit one one. Yeah, oh yeah, that one's <laughs> that one's awful. We've had that happen a couple of times. And a that one is times. just like like people just fall over and you're like, well, we just lay here <laughs> for four rounds. Uh, nine is you fall and you break equipment in your bag, and so it's random. So what we do is. If that's what happens, you're falling prone and you would number the items in your bag that are breakable and roll and randomly figure out what exactly breaks. I've only had that happen once and I broke a potion. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, and 10 would be harm yourself. Once again, the twisted wrist or the twisted ankle thing, but this time for 2d6 rounds instead, instead of 1d6 rounds. And then you come back to if you crit one this one with a one, you go and you roll 2d6s on the original chart. So you could have this never-ending, terrible, if you're really bad at rolling crit ones, just... <laughs> and we've had it suck. happen up to, I think, three bad I think we've had happen. it three times and happen, yeah. It, it's, it's hilarious. It's awful. It's, it's so It's so bad. awful, but it's so hilarious. But so, like we said, it's one of those things that adds those super memorable <laughs> moments. Yeah. Uh, it, I, we realize that that's a lot of information for you to take down. Uh, we hope that you have been pausing and taking notes, because we'll put this up online. Yeah, yeah. And feel free to take this idea and change it up. This is just an idea. This helps us as DMs, like in the middle of battle, when crit ones get rolled, not have to pause the game and try and figure out right. what exactly bad's going to happen. The players, I think all of our players like this because it's just it's quick. They get to control their kind of own fate by rolling, and I will say this: love to roll the they dice. they like it. <laughs> they like it when it's not happening to them. Yeah, right. <laughs> like you remember uh, a couple weeks ago in my campaign, Mark. This is like the I, I've called it the one one four, where you roll a one, and then you yeah. roll a one, and then you roll a four, and you break your weapon. Mark in the same oh night broke two that. or three weapons, I think, in the same night. It was like <laughs> I had just given him a weapon plus three to hit dragons plus three damage, and he broke it like right away. And then it was just like. He did it another time, and then the next campaign he did it again, and it was just like, oh, the one one four is awful. Yeah, I, I will say this about having some sort of system like this. One of the best things about this is, as a DM, if you do the crit one fumble rule, and you're pulling things just uh, out of your butt as you go, which, honestly, I, I do like doing that. That's why, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm glad that still, without battle, like, there's still that aspect that I can do that. Um, outside of battle, but unless you're going to do the same exact uh, consequence every single time, yeah. there's going to be this point where your players are going, wait, I just rolled a crit one and I fell, but he rolled a crit one and he hit himself and did damage to himself. And there's going to be this like, uh, that wasn't really a equal amount of passing out the crit ones. And maybe as a DM you say, well, I don't care. I'm just, yeah. you know, yeah. but like, with this kind of system, no players can ever blame you for go being unfair because right. they're rolling for themselves. They're deciding their own fate. So, uh, and and I will say it is nice to have something that you don't have to come up with something on the spot because there's been as a DM, I don't like just doing the same thing over and over again. So I remember I'd spend like at least like a minute in battle sometimes just going, oh, what happens? What happens? Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the you know penalty for this? Um, so this helps in that sense that you have a system set in place, you have answers already set in place. So we'll throw that up online for yep. any DMs that want to use it to try it out. It's a pretty simple system. Yep. So 
that's our light bulb of the week. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Back to our mailbag of holding, the place where we share ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. Chris, you have something from the mailbag of holding this week? Yeah, I have one from Nerdbilly, D- or DM Nerdbilly, excuse me, uh, about a Warforged sword. And I thought this was, I thought the story was super cool. He emailed us about this, and it was something that he had happened a couple of campaigns ago and brought it back into, or is, is hoping to bring it back into a future campaign. And so, hopefully, Nerd Billy, your brother isn't listening to this campaign, or this, this podcast, because he'll find out, and I'm sorry that we spoiled this for him. But this is what happened. His brother was playing a pretty much a psychotic warforged, is what he said towards the end of the campaign. And his brother decided to write a will for his character that at the end of his life, he wanted to be melted down into a sword. And I think, I can't remember if he wanted his soul, like, entrapped in it. I don't think so. But he just wanted his body melted down into the sword in order so that he could keep spilling orc blood or whatever blood that he wanted even after his time here on this earth was done. And so he said, at the end of it, I'm thinking of putting this sword into a new campaign as a curse type haunted sword. Uh, and he said, I'll let you know how it goes when they find it. I was I, like, sweet, I want I yeah. want to find out what happens. That sounds super cool. I really like that idea. I've yeah. never thought about the idea of like, oh, a warforged is made of metal and wood. Right. Like, what happens when they die? You could make them into something, and yeah. a sword out of everything yeah. is, like, really sweet. Yeah, That's I really cool. like that idea. I was like, when I saw it, I was like, man, I hope somebody plays a Warforged in my <laughs> campaign so I can do that. Wink, wink, Mitch. You should play a Warforged <laughs> in the future. Uh, as long as I get the sword. Yeah, right. So, you have one as well. What yeah. is what is yours? I have one from DM Never. Uh, he sent us a top ten list of his own, and so uh, I picked out one of uh, his, and maybe we'll share, we'll be able to share more of his in the future, but... Uh, one of his was called Freaky Friday. So if you've ever seen that movie where the mom and the daughter like switch places. I liked this uh, one. I remember reading through his emails. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty good. Basically what you do as the DM is you have some sort of magical effect take place and you have all of the players switch their sheets, their character sheets, and just flip, give them to other players but they remain their same characters, but in different bodies. So, you know, the barbarian gets put in the, the wizard's body. And now- <laughs> the, the dwarf cleric gets put into right. the elf ranger's body. And so now there's a whole group and they're like looking at each other and they're seeing themselves. And they're like, what's going on? And they have to figure out how to like reverse this. and Or the DM, maybe it's just a timed effect that the DM yeah, just decides. It's a, it's a spell time. or something like that that lasts an extra amount of time. <laughs> now, he also said that it would, of course, take a little bit of a creative explanation from the DM. How the stupid barbarian is able to pull off uh, spells from the... Uh, <laughs> like fireballs. The, yeah, in the, <laughs> by the brilliant wizard. Like, Or right. maybe that's something you don't... Maybe the barbarian just has a really hard time because now the barbarian... Uh, the barbarian is in the wizard's body and he can't do squat because yeah. he's a scrawny little guy. Yeah. And now the wizard's in the barbarian's body and he's freaking strong and he can shoot forever. Yeah, right. like, whatever you want to do as a DM. But I think that would be super, super funny. Super, super fun for just a goofy night of playing. That would be good. Uh, probably the only thing that I would say, warning disclaimer to, is that I do know that I've played with some players who have this weird don't touch my character sheet kind of mentality yeah. which as a dm i always say i right, well i'm i am <laughs> lord over this game right. i need to see what's on your character sheet 
especially to make sure people aren't cheating. Right. However, I understand that coming from a player's point of view, like with other players. So, especially like if you have like party that wants to steal from each other and stuff like that, yeah, like possession yeah. stuff. So make sure that that's uh, do what you need to do to make sure that's not going to be an issue. That right. your characters, your players are going to be pissed off. Don't just like say, and this happens, and grab their character sheets from their hands and like switch them. Do it in a mature and an intelligent fashion. Right. However, that being said, that those are both really great ideas. Uh, we want to thank Nerd Billy and DM Never for those two great ideas yeah, thanks, this week in the mailbag of holding. Thank you, guys. So I don't know about you, Mitch, but I had a lot of fun doing this episode. I had a ton of fun talking about villains and stuff. And so now, unfortunately, it comes to an end. And so... I want to tell you where you can... This will not be the unkillable episode. Yeah, no. Well, we can make it into that if we want to just keep talking for like 25 minutes. No, let's not. Okay, Let's kill it. All right, let's kill it. We're we're allowing you as a listener to conquer this villain of an episode. All right, uh, a couple places you can get in contact with us, and we love talking with you. Uh, You can email us, dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can also, uh, if you feel so inclined, and we would love it if you would do this, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, you can just or whatever you think we deserve. Or whatever you think you which deserve. Which is five stars. Yeah, which is five stars. <laughs> uh, if you want to find us on Stitcher, for those of you who use Stitcher, uh, you can just search Dungeon Master's Block on Stitcher and find us on there as well. We've, we've recently, I think it was like a month and a half ago, got onto there. Uh, and it's been, it's been pretty cool to see that start to grow too. So, Mitch, where else can they find us? You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DM's Block on Twitter. And you can like our Facebook page. We've gotten some love on Facebook recently, we have recently. which is pretty yeah. sweet. And I've been trying to throw up some information on the Facebook page that we don't throw out anywhere else to make uh, those followers on Facebook appreciate Right. So make right. sure that they're getting some love from us. So. Yeah, so cool. We, we appreciate you listening to this episode. Hope you had a lot of fun listening to it. Got some good ideas on, on how to use villains uh, and, and some things to avoid with using villains. And so... With the end of this, we thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. Thanks for listening, you guys. Come back again for our next episode. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.